everybody has a topic on the exam that they really just don't like. Whether it's hand therapy or psych or neuropeds, whatever it is, everybody's got a kryptonite. Well, I've got your secret weapon. If you're enjoying the podcast, I've been putting out video courses called 450 Formula. They're designed to make these giant, complex, difficult topics as simple and easy as possible, just like the podcast. You get all the big ideas, the foundational information, and you walk away with simple, easy mnemonics that make remembering everything a breeze. So if you're looking for a little extra help on those big, bad topics, or you just want to knock them all out together, then head over to 450formula.com and take a look. There's some free videos we can get a good feel for how it works. Check it out and get your 450. Hang in there. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is episode five, and it's the first episode to be released live. The first four were all released at the same time at the same time that the podcast went live. So this is a good first step. This is the first time I'm recording an episode after having somebody already listened to one of my previous ones. And I just want to say thank you. There have been so many people who've reached out and said so many nice, encouraging things about how um, they've been using and enjoying the podcast stuff. And I just, it's really encouraging and great. It's a little scary, honestly, to just put something out into the internet and hope that people like it. And uh, anyway, it's just been really awesome. So thank you so much. I've also gotten a lot of requests for specific topics to cover and other content, and those have been awesome as well. It's been, um, again, it wasn't that long that I took the test, and I remember a lot of the things that got me really frustrated about it, but it's uh, really great to hear from people who are still in that currently and the things that would help them the most. That's actually how I chose the topic today, spinal cord injury. So stick around. We're going to be getting there in just a second. Real quick. First though, I've just got uh, one thing. I have a correction from a previous episode, which is a little scary, but it's not. Anyway, you'll see. Episode three, I was talking about um, the mnemonic. The episode three is more of like a, if you, you can write it out to sort of um, more easily remember it. And I mentioned that it would be a, you know, one of good idea would be to use um, some scratch paper that they provide you. And also the time of the little uh, like intro to how the test works thing. And it turns out that uh, doing anything other than paying attention to the intro simulator is um, specifically requested not to be done by the NBCOT uh, exam guidelines. So uh, far be it from me to um, recommend anything that the NBCOT exam uh, does not. I de- like 100% encourage people to follow any and all guidelines, especially given directly from the NBCOT. So please, um, yeah, disregard what was said there. Uh, also, there was some question of you know the role of scratch paper and all that. Um, I would recommend double checking at your testing center before uh, any of that goes on. Um, but I was just sort of commenting on from my experience. I was given some scratch paper to use during the exam. I wasn't allowed to take it out, et cetera, et cetera. But um, anyway, just know that I in no way endorse you doing something that might get you kicked out of the exam. Uh, so be careful. All right, let's uh, let's do it. Boom! All right, spinal cord injury. Here we go. So we're gonna start from the bottom and work our way all the way down. <laughs> we're gonna start from the top and work our way all the way down to the bottom. 
Just like the other episodes, I've made a visual study guide companion for this episode. So you can go to the website otexampreper.com and you can get this and all the other study guides for the other episodes that cover all the topics we've done so far. I think it's really helpful, and especially with more complicated, detail-oriented stuff like this, it really helps to have a visual to either jog your memory later or to look at while you're listening to this episode. So yeah, go check it out, otexampreper.com. And if you're already subscribed to the email list, then you should just check your inbox because it should be in there. Okay, on with the show. So it's fair to say that the top of the spinal cord, so the cervical section of the spinal cord is the most important to OTs and worth going into the most detail about. That's because um, the function of the arms is involved in the cervical region. And uh, depending on, you know, a C5 injury versus a C6 or 7 will look very different and they'll have a lot of a significantly different arm function, which will affect their ability to complete ADLs quite a bit. So these are the levels where we're going to be kind of going even one by one, getting a lot of detail. And then as we go further down the spinal cord into the thoracic, lumbar, and sacral regions, we'll be just giving sort of more of a general overview of what goes on in that region, why it's important, and um, just some ways to kind of think about it. Okay, quick overview of how we're going to do this. We're going to be breaking the entire spinal cord into five regions. And you might say, well, there's only four. There's cervical, thoracic, lumbar, and sacral. Well, the thoracic is so big, it's 12 vertebrae as opposed to the other seven, five, and five, um, that we're going to separate into two sections. So we're going to do the cervical section, and then the first half of thoracic, T1 through 6, the second half, T7 through 12, the lumbar, L1 through 5, and the sacral, S1 through 5. Um, we're going to use a mnemonic to remember the most important parts of each of these sections. And the mnemonic is BACKS, B-A-C-K-S, which is relevant considering we're talking about spinal cords, right? So for cervical, it's going to be breathe and basketball. You'll see why in a second. For T1 through 6, it's going to be the A, right? B-A-C-K-S, A. T1 through 6 is going to be either arms or autonomic dysreflexia, whichever strikes your fancy. For T7 through 12, it's going to be crunch, like an exercise crunch that you do with your abs. TL1 through 5 is going to be kick. Uh, And then S1 through 5 is going to be skip. And we'll go through why each of those are the way they are now. Okay, so C, cervical, (laughs) cervical region here. Uh, The very beginning, the very first thing you get back is sort of movement of the neck and then also your ability to breathe. So uh, a favorite mnemonic of mine is just a little rhyme. It's C345, keep the diaphragm alive, or just 345, keep the diaphragm alive. That's because C3, 4, and 5 are responsible for innervating the diaphragm. Um, So if you are a C1 or 2 injury, you can count on almost certainly needing a respirator to continue to breathe and sustain life. Um, if you are a three or four, it's kind of questionable, but it's likely that you'd need a respirator. And then as of C5, you've got full, almost full a C6, then you definitely have full, um, innervation of your diaphragm. So it's likely that you'd be able to breathe quite normally. You know, you're still missing some of the helper muscles in the chest that help you expand it. Um, especially a new spinal cord injury would need, might need a respirator for a time or for some of the day. But um, three, four, five keeps the diaphragm alive. Once you're past that, you're, you're a long way 
towards uh, breathing on your own. The other thing is C1 through 4 is, it's it kind of makes, it's a little difficult, but see, 1 through 4 is where you start to get a lot of that neck control, where you can support your own head. The higher you are, obviously, the less you have. C1 and 2 especially, it's just, you, you need a lot of support. You'll see those patients will have sort of supports on the side of their head on their wheelchair um, so that it won't just kind of be flopping or rolling around. Okay, uh, so that's kind of C1 through 4, 5-ish. Then we get into arms. So C5 through T1 are where we start to get uh, the innervation of the arms and hands back. So these are really important. Obviously for ADLs and just general function, we I mean, all know that your upper extremities are the, the things you do everything with. You do all these ADLs, you do like everything with this stuff. So each level is very important, and there's a really easy to remember mnemonic that has to do with basketball that uh, can help us remember this. So the, mask, the, the mnemonic is shooting a basketball. So think about shooting a basketball. You kind of bring your elbow up. It's sort of pointing out straight in front of you, right? You bend your elbow. Um, then you need your, your wrist back to be able to hold that basketball. You shoot the basketball. You kind of extend your arm out straight. And then the last two movements are sort of just tacked on there, but it's going to be flexing the wrist and the fingers. You can think of it like a really tense, like hoping the basketball is going to go in. And then... Uh, the last one is actually ab and adduction of the fingers. So it's sort of like a jazz hands thing. You can think of that as the celebration after you made the shot. So that's like extending the fingers and then wiggling them back and forth, um, separating them and then uh, bringing them together again. So that's C5 through T1. So C5 is elbow flexion. So you can come up and remember in a second, we're going to need to extend the wrist. So for C5 to remember this easier, you want to bend your elbow but you want to keep your wrist uh, flexed forward and kind of limp there. It's almost like a snake poised to strike is what it looks like. Then C6, you're going to bring that wrist back. Oh, sorry, we're starting at C5, and if you have trouble remembering which level to start at, just remember you have five fingers, right? So C5, elbow flexion. C6, wrist extension. So you bring that wrist back. That's where you're holding the basketball. You're kind of lining up the shot. You're just poised and ready to go. C7 is elbow extension. That's where you take the shot. You shoot it out there. C8 is wrist and finger flexion. So you kind of coil that hand up. It's also a fair bit of a um, thumb movement too. So it's really, you know, the gross grasp, like all-inclusive kind of um, just grasping bit of the the hand there. And then T1 is a uh, ab and adduction of the fingers. So you can think of like, woo! You can do a little celebration there. Um, kind of goofy, but it helps you remember it. So that's C5 through T1 in a nutshell. Now, there's a couple notes here. So um, some sources will will talk about elbow flexion, you know, being a part of like a C6 level injury. And it's, you know, it's tough to argue with that, actually, because a lot of the, the more powerful um, elbow flexors come in at C6, but you do get the beginning of that at C5. So especially with strengthening and time, um, C5 is where you first start to see that elbow flexion. So that's what we're going with. But just know that at C6, you do get a fair bit more uh, power behind that. Um, C6 is is noteworthy because that's where that wrist extension comes in and that's where tenodesis begins to be a big deal remember tenodesis being if you keep your fingers totally relaxed and just flat um, and your your wrist flexed your your fingers will be more or less kind of out in extension and then as you 
extend your wrist, the natural sort of uh, tension in your forearm muscles will, muscles <laughs> will bring your fingers into flexion. And uh, C6 patients, based, the therapist should be aware and know that you never want to be performing range of motion on the fingers outside of that movement. So you would never flex the fingers while the wrist is in flexion and you would never extend them while the wrist is in extension. And that's because we're trying to get those muscles to contract and be ready to uh, to use that actual motion and with some force behind it as soon as those muscles kind of tighten up um, to have a really good tenodesis grasp. A C6 patient can really get a lot of use out of that um, sort of natural grasping motion just by being able to extend their wrist. So C6, a big footnote, is that tenodesis. C7 is elbow extension. Obviously, that's going to be important for a lot of ADLs, especially mobility. Being able to transfer yourself by pushing down is a big deal. Being able to um, propel a wheelchair, for example, or a bunch of other stuff. C8 is especially important because that's where you definitely don't want to be doing this tenodesis stuff because you've, you're going to be getting a lot more of that grasp going on. You've got a flexion of the fingers and also a lot of use of the thumb. And then T1 is sort of the extra. Um, it just sort of adds a lot of like fine dexterity. For example, I could imagine it'd be very difficult to play the guitar without ab and adduction of the fingers. But day to day, could you, you know, pick something up, do whatever? C8 would probably be sufficient. But T1, that ab and adduction, adds uh, sort of the, the, the final touch on the full dexterity of the hand. Below T1, you've got full use of your arms. Um, so that's at T, I should say at T1 because T1 includes that function T1 and below you'll have full use of the arms. So below that you would no longer be considered a tetra or quadriplegic. You'd be a paraplegic because just your lower extremities are affected. Okay. So that's, um, the briefest, quickest version, but also I think one of the easiest ways to remember this. Now there's a lot of things that you're going to be asked or made to maybe think about in terms of, you know, what could, what's a adequate, um, you know, treatment or ADL for someone of a specific cervical level injury to be a part of their treatment. And, um, you know, I think you can memorize all that stuff if you want, but I think that just a general overview of like this, being able to go C5, C6, C7, C8, T1, and going through those motions, give you a really, really good basis where you don't need to memorize all that other stuff. Um, if you can even just sort of review notes in your study materials, um, about that, and then just try to put it into context of like, well, yeah, you know, I've got wrist extension and, and elbow flexion. So it would make sense that at this point that would be something I'd, that I'd be able to do. Um, so just try to like, keep it as bare bones, the thing you have, you have to memorize, keep it as simple as possible, and then try to fit everything into there and make it make sense in that context. And that way you'll save yourself a lot of memorization and a lot of time. Okay, so that's the whole cervical region. So we went C1 through about T1. And again, backs, B-A-C-K-S, this was breathe and basketball, both Bs, right? Now we're moving on to the first half of the thoracic uh, section of the spinal cord. So T1 through 6. Now this can be, this is going to be B, or sorry, A, B-A. So this is going to be for, A is going to understand for arms or autonomic dysreflexia. And it's arms because this is just the point where Arms are unaffected. It's just a milestone. If your um, injury is T1 through 6 or below, then your arms are totally fine. Um, 
Also, it's worth uh, remembering autonomic dysreflexia because T6 and above, including the cervical region, if you have an injury in there, you have to worry about autonomic dysreflexia. Remember, that's where if you have a noxious stimuli in the region that's affected, so somewhere down in your legs or bowels or bladder, um, that your body can sort of overreact to that. You won't be consciously aware of it because you don't have sensation in that area, but your blood pressure will start to rise, your heart rate will rise, and unless that noxious stimuli is removed, you can really get in trouble. You could have a stroke or any other number of complications. So T1 through 6, autonomic dysreflexia. Uh, so the next one, so BAC, C is going to be for crunch, T7 through 12 corresponds with C, which is for crunch, because this is where you start to get core control. Autonomic dysreflexia is no longer concern, and you get core control. So this is where, um, yeah, just your core muscles start to kick in. You've got a lot more um, ability to control that. Obviously, it helps with transfers and um, mobility, which we'll talk about in a second. But for right now, let's move on to the lumbar region. So L1 through 5 is going to be K, B-A-C-K, kick. That's because in the L region, we get all of the forward motion of the legs. So hip flexion, knee extension, dorsiflexion. Uh, you can think, you put all those movements together and think about you're kicking a, a soccer ball with, with bad form. I know you're supposed to kick it with the side of your foot, um, but just kick it straight on, man. <laughs> uh, so you're lifting those toes, you're extending the knee, you're flexing the hip, all forward, right? So kick, that's how you remember that. Then in the sacral region, S1 through 5 is S for skip. Skip uh, is because that's where we get all the backwards and downwards motion of the leg. Plantar flexion, hip extension, knee flexion. It also bears mentioning that in the very bottom of S, like 4 and 5 is where we get use of bladder and bowels. So uh, I just think that's worth noting because almost any spinal cord injury is going to include uh, some, is going to affect the bowels in some way, especially if it's a complete injury. Um, you know, incomplete injuries are always all over the place, but for, you know, this whole thing, we're talking about complete injuries and what comes in at what level. So the bowels are like literally the last thing you can get back. Um, so those are almost certainly going to be affected if you have a spinal cord injury. Uh, but again, um, skip all that, that downward backward motion. Now, so in terms of mobility, so if you're going to be walking or even standing with basically anywhere in the T7 through 12 and down, um, you're going to probably need some supports, some braces, something like that. And T7 through 12 is interesting. We haven't even gotten any leg or hip function back for the most part, but we do have core control. And so um, T7 through 12 patients can... Uh, develop some ability to stand. They'll need a lot of that external support from equipment or whatever, but they can, um, you know, that's that's the first level where you can start to hope that that's going to be a possibility where you could park your wheelchair and then stand to do dishes or brush your teeth or whatever else. Um, below that, it's just going to get a little easier, but still probably need some help. So again, when we have all this forward motion of the legs, probably get a little more walking going on and then when we get the backward motion of the legs even more so right so um, it's just going to be you know walking i think is is almost always difficult for uh, spinal cord injury patients of any level but um, the lower you are obviously the more function you've got and this will give you just a really easy brief overview to remember 
um, generally what goes on at what level. So that's pretty much it. Um, we covered the whole spinal cord with two mnemonics, uh, one kind of inside the other. Um, but so cervical B thoracic A and C L K and S is skip B A C K S for the cervical, both halves of the thoracic lumbar and sacral regions of the spinal cord backs breathe in basketball arms or autonomic dysreflexia c is for crunch k is for kick and s is for skip um and i think that will do you again try to fit all of the other specific things that you're trying to remember about spinal cord injuries into this framework and i think it'll just be easier and make a lot more sense and you can just sort of you know be reading something think about it for a second and kind of nod your head like yeah that totally makes sense based on what i know about the level of their injury so um yeah i hope that's helpful you guys rock um hang in there if you've taken and passed your test since the last time i don't know why you're listening to this but you're cool and congratulations and if you're still working on it hang in there you've got this i believe in you uh, last thing, just if you get a chance, if you can review the show on iTunes, that is always super helpful and great. Otherwise, uh, please share this with your classmates, your friends, um, students in a lower class than you, whatever. Uh, this is meant to be shared and useful to as many people as possible. So please don't be bashful or uh, uh, mean and just hoard it for yourself so that everybody else fails. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys are doing well and stay cool. If you get bored of studying, check out my other side project, homeequipmentguide.com, which is meant to make finding adaptive equipment online easier for OTs and their patients. Last but not least, music this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Thanks, Kevin.